Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning, church family. We are going to be reading from Psalm 5 this morning. Um, If you want to grab a Bible in the front of you, it's on page 449, but we'll be in Psalm 5. My name is Zach Edwards. I'm one of your non-staff elders here at the church. Uh, My wife, Courtney, and I have been covenant members here for a little over 10 years, and we've got four usually mild-tempered, but sometimes rambunctious, blonde boys running around the lobby out there, James, Hunter, Cameron, and Brooks. So we've dedicated to them all here at the church, and this is our family. So I'm glad to be here this morning. Again, Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exalt you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord, and you cover them with favor as with a shield. Will you pray with me? God, you are just a good and loving God, and we just thank you um, that you've promised that your your spirit would be amongst um, where where two or more are gathered in your name. We just pray that your spirit move this morning, Lord. Um, We just pray that your spirit gives us um, ears to hear and uh, open hearts and open minds just to hear the word that Scott would bring to us, Lord. We pray for Scott that you um, just uh, speak through him, give him the insight humbleness and faithfulness just to preach your word to us this morning, Lord, just to just to preach Christ to us. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, Zach. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the preaching team. Super uh, just grateful to be here with you this morning and um, to open God's word. Ho- hopefully you've come expectant to hear from God because as we open God's word, man, he speaks to us and that I uh, hope that uh, we have just receptive hearts. Uh, if you're perceptive, uh, we may have a few more 
uh, kids in here. We're so grateful uh, for the summer. We're having more of a, a family-friendly gathering, and uh, the reason why we're doing that is to give rest to some of our volunteers uh, during the summertime in TDC Kids and uh, a form of recruitment. So if you're not serving in TDC Kids uh, and you have kids, you will be asked because that is a, a form of serving not only the Lord but this church family, and we take discipleship very seriously. Uh, in the fall, uh, we always just have so many kids and opportunity to, to disciple them. Furthermore, man, to, to worship with your kids is a beautiful thing. And just as you need Christ, they need Christ. And so uh, I hope that you be prayerfully considering uh, what God's speaking to you, but also them as, as you leave and uh, get to talk about uh, the word of God or songs that may stood out to you. Um, if you're keeping ser- sermon notes this morning, the sermon title is Lead Me, Lead Me in Your Righteousness. That comes straight out of verse 8, Lead Me in your righteousness. And so uh, it's, it's full-blown full summertime uh, in, in my household. And so what that means is uh, chaos. That, that's the best way I can describe summer. I don't know if we're the only families that, that experience this. What's nice with school is, is there's rhythms. Uh, my kids go to bed at a certain time. They wake up at a certain time. We have breakfast at a certain time. We have routes, and there's, uh, then they come home from school. They're just rhythms that we have. And uh, when it comes to summer times, my kids are like, they want to like cast off restraint, saying, hey, we're, we're going to do what we want. And to a certain degree, they do. Uh, and so what that means for me is trying to figure out a new rhythm in life because uh, the bedtime is, is off. Uh, it, it, I go to bed before them. I'm trying to wake up before them. It's just, it's, it's really hard. And uh, rhythms, whether we know it or not, they shape us. Uh, rhythms of life, they shape us. These disciplines actually put us in position, uh, frankly, to know the Lord. Uh, discipline, uh, the root word of discipleship is discipline. So rhythms matter. It helps you discern, uh, uh, I would say, discernible patterns uh, that make sense of life. And so when it's out of order, it can be, it can be overwhelming. And so rhythms are, are a good thing. It's a God-given thing that brings, uh, that brings rest and clarity. Um, God, God created, if you ever read Genesis, God created. And we, when he created at the very end, he says, and there was morning or evening and there was morning the first day. And he said it was good. He said, man, here's, here's mornings and evenings and there's rhythms to life. And what's so interesting as we get into Psalms, there's uh, the first really uh, in chapter three, it starts with a morning prayer. And then in chapter four, it ends with an evening prayer. In chapter five, it starts with what? A morning prayer. In chapter six, uh, it ends with a, what? an evening prayer. What is that? Those are rhythms. It's saying as, the, if, you, if you know how, how the, the world works, as the sun rises, what happens to people usually? Normal people, what? They're living. They awake. And as the sun goes down, what happens? They go to sleep. And it's saying as you rise in the morning, as, as you awake, Physically, you need to awaken your soul to the realities of who God is. And as you're going to bed, you need to to awaken and remind yourself of who God is. And there's a rhythm to life that we should be prayerful in the mornings. And we should be prayerful in the evenings. That is a a discernible rhythm that the Psalms are putting forward for us that we may may walk with God. That we may awake to God as we awake to prayer. In Psalm 113, it says, from the rising to the sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. Uh, the Maverick City put that uh, last bit on there. But the idea is as the sun rises, are you seeing the God behind the sunrise? As the sun sets, are you seeing the God who's setting the sun? It's saying, get your eyes off the temporal on the eternal God behind everything that's going on. So um, <clears throat> Psalm 5 is interesting uh, Psalm 4, Psalm 5, the, the thought is 
Uh, if, you, if you know the story of, of King, David, King David, he was one of the best and great kings of Israel. Uh, the thought here is that David is writing this Psalms as Absalom, his son, is in rebellion towards him. And so if you don't know that story, he stole the hearts of Israel by standing at the gate, kind of gave this white counsel. He's like, where's David at? He started this, this rebellion towards his dad, the, the, the king of Israel. And so now he's on the run. So his son has betrayed him. Israel is falling uh, falling, uh, after his son. Absalom, his his counselor, arguably his best friend, is now fallen into Absalom. And so he is not in desirable circumstances in the song. He is on the run, under threats, uh, feeling probably exposed. I mean, being being betrayed by a loved one, not fun. Being betrayed probably by one of your best friends, not fun. All of Israel is taking their side, feeling very exposed, uh, I, I think emotionally, but also physically, he, he fled Jerusalem, so he's sleeping probably out on the uh, open stars with not a lot of protection. And so he is overwhelmed by, him, by his circumstances. He is suffering, uh, I would say, unjustly. Like, there's nothing like, that he necessarily did that caused this, but this is where he's at. And what happens in, in Psalm chapter 4, he just kind of lays his heart out there before he's going to bed, and he remembers who God is in verse 8, it says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. This overwhelming circumstance. He's on the run. People are out, out to get him. He's feeling betrayed. He's like, you know what? I'm going to bring this to God. I'm going to lie down and sleep. Why? Because I'm going to sleep in peace. Circumstantially, that's amazing. And we talked a little bit about that last week. Now, as we turn uh, to chapter 5, he, he finds himself in the same circumstances. He's overwhelmed, betrayed. He's suffering. And, and now in the morning, he's going to, to need to pray again. So he awakened his mind. This is, this is God behind my circumstances, which found him rest. But now, as he's waking in the morning, he's like, time to wake. It's time to spiritually renew and awake to God once again. So once you do it just once, it doesn't mean like, I'm good. We have, have this continual rhythm of awakening to who God is. So in, uh, in uh, chapter, chapter 5, uh, what we're going to find is as he's waking into uh, undesired circumstances, which you, you probably are finding yourself in. If you're, you're human, there's some things you're like, man, I wish that was different. You may be suffering injustice. You're, you're, you're suffering to some degree. Uh, I told you what he is suffering, but suffering um, is, if you're, if, you're, if you're human, that means you suffer. So you're going through something. He's going to teach us uh, how, how, do we, how do we walk in a blessed righteousness, in verse 8, it says, lead me in your righteousness. And so he's going to teach us how do, we, how do we deal with suffering as we pray to God in, in the morning. So let's pick up in, in verse 1, and we'll go through 3. Uh, it talks about just where he's at. He's awakening. He's overwhelmed by his circumstances, betrayed by his son, best friend, Israel. It looks like the, 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 the kingship's going to be ripped away from him. And God had appointed him king. In verse 1, it says, give Ear to my words, O Lord. He says, consider my groaning. So it tells you this state, like he's speaking to God, he's groaning. Like, that, that's like not discernible words. Like he's just emotionally spent. He's, he's, uh, he's uttering before God. Uh, Give attention to the sound of my cry. Uh, these are heartfelt, my King and my God. For, for to you do I pray, O Lord, what in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. 
prepare a sacrifice is simply, man, he's saying, I'm praying, I'm coming before you. The first thing I want you to think about is when you're under distress, when you're under uh, suffering, your, your life's not going the way you think it is, what's the first thing you do? What does it say here? Three different times, uh, he, he brings it to the Lord. Give ear to my words. Consider my groanings. Give attention to the sound of my cry. I'm going to challenge you. The first thing you do is don't set your mind on your circumstances or, or even your sufferings. He, what does he do? He goes to God with his sufferings. Is the first thing you do is call your mom or your dad or your spouse. He's saying, man, I want you to take these circumstances, your heart and your pleas, what, to God. Why, or I'd say when, in the morning. This is important. It says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is not an afterthought. This is the a first importance. He's like, I am, I am overwhelmed by the circumstance. I'm in distress. I don't see any way out. I don't see any good happening, God, in this. And he says, I'm going to take it to you the first thing in the morning. Now, what is interesting, he says, uh, he, he takes it to the Lord in the morning, and then he says, I'm going, uh, I'm going to watch. I'm simply going to watch. Now, that's interesting to me. He didn't say, God, here's what's going on in my life. I'm going to take it to you. I need you to do something, here, and here's what I'm going to do. That's not what he said. He says, I'm simply going to watch. Why? Because he's what? My God and my king. That's what it says. My God, he's talking to his God and his king. So there's two things he's going to help us understand as we are overwhelmed by the things going on in our life, and I'm telling you, everyone is. We're going to pray, and we're going, Lord willing, to take it to him in the morning, and we're going to, to, to watch. Why? Because if he is our God and our king, we're going to be okay. If he, if, he is, if he is God, and he is, that means he only does good, and we'll get to that in a second. So he's not going to need to do anything because God's only doing good, even when we can't discern it in our circumstances. We know who God is, and so, man, we can rest and simply watch because his goodness, not may, it's not maybe will happen, it will happen. Then secondly, he's king. Not only is he uh, good, but he is sovereign. And so what do, we, what, what, do we, what do we do in our service? We just pray. Remember who God is. He is so good and he is king. And all I have to do is watch. I, the idea is here is I'm going to surrender I'm going to submit in my suffering. Why? Because I know he is my God and my king. That's super interesting. He didn't say things he was going to do. He's going to rely on the lordship and the goodness of God amidst his suffering. He's saying, I'm going to submit to what's going on because I know who you are. I can't understand the circumstances going on, but I know who you are. And so this is where it kind of leads us uh, into, into the next part. Uh, it says in verse 4, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord uh, arbors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So what's interesting, the reason why he goes to God in the morning, first things, I mean, this is who, who God is. He's my God and my king. And as he as he goes to him, he looks to God. He, he, he says a few things in verses 4 through 5. One, God does not delight. He does not delight in the wickedness. So if, if you're ever wondering if you're suffering uh, through the sin of others, if you're suffering, you feel like injustice, like, uh, and you're wondering, like, man, is God, is God happy with this? It says God does not delight. There's no, there's no happiness in the Lord 
from, from the sin going on in the world, the evil going on in the world. Another way you could say it, as you look to God, God, are you okay with what's going on? The answer, as he looks to God, is like, God's not okay. Not, not a little bit okay with, with the, the sin and the suffering that you're experiencing, which is super interesting. He does not delight, does not please him. Like, what's going on uh, with David does not please him. And he, he can say that. And that, that strengthens him. Uh, in the second part of four, uh, it says this. Evil may not dwell with you. So not only does God not delight in it, like he's not okay. He's not okay with the sinfulness and wickedness in the world. Number two, it says uh, it doesn't dwell within him. God's character is, is perfect, holy, righteous. Like he's, he's set apart from sin. So this is not part of his character and nature. So the circumstances that you are suffering in, he's saying, man, I got to remember, God, you're not pleased in this, and this is not of you. I think so many times we look at our circumstances and we start to question God. God, how could you be good? He's like, no, no, God is good. And this has no place uh, in, 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 in who God is, which is holy. In verse 5, it says this. The boastful shall not what stand before your eyes. So not only does God not delight in it, this is as he's taking to God, this is God does, is not pleased with the wickedness in the world. He's not pleased with the wickedness that you may be suffering. It is not a part of who he is. He's separate from, from evil and sin. And second, uh, the lastly, it does not stand. Uh, this will not stand before him. This is why I think David just, man, it's so important to go to the Lord first in the morning, even through all the trials and sufferings. It says, God's telling you, it will not stand. He says, I'm going to do something about it. It's not always going to be this way. So it, it can't stand. Like, it's, it's going to change. It doesn't, it doesn't always happen in a moment, but this, will not, this is not how it will end. Um, and I, that's so ministering to you and hopefully, uh, or to David and hopefully you, as you take, it, take your, your problems to the Lord. He does not delight in evil. He's, he's set, set apart from wickedness. And the, the injustice that, that you're not okay with will not stand. It will not always be that way. Now, so here, here's the big idea that, that you're finding out about who God is. God does not cause evil. Wickedness is not in him, but sin does. And hear me, God's not okay with it. He's not okay with it. He's going to do something about it. And this is why he's taking it to God. God, God is my God, and he's my king. I'm going to watch and see what he's going to do, because this is his holy nature, and he will act according to his holy nature. Now, uh, sinful man. I think we have to not only, so as he prays, he takes it to the Lord in the morning. Uh, he, he says, well, this is who God is. But this, this psalm also talks us a lot about who man is. Uh, in verse 5, it, it says this, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. So I just want to mention something. So many people think sin is doing bad things, and I try to attack this idea a lot. And sin is certainly missing the mark, falling short of the glory of God, yes and Amen. Transgression, that means crossing over the line. Like, you know, you know the law, you know the lines. Like, you know what, I'm going to intentionally do the opposite. That's rebellion. But before sin ever happens, you know what happens? A boastful man. We take the position of God. So verse 5 talks about a boastful man. Sin nature, yes, is doing things that we should not do. But before that, the root of it is simply us trying to take the place of God. 
I don't think we see the root of sin. If you don't see the root of sin, you'll never come under to the solution of sin, which is submission. But us trying to take the place of God is always the root of our sin. How often do you find yourself, well, you know what? I'm just trying to do the best I can. Everyone's like, well, that sounds like a good idea. I'm, do, I, I'm just doing the best I can. Well, do you think that's honoring to God? No, why? Because I, I is the first thing you said. I am doing the best that I can. Uh, how many people have heard is like, well, I'm just following my truth. Well, that sounds, that sounds culturally relevant. That seems like that's a good idea. That's not God's truth. That's boastful man. How many, uh, uh, you know, popular saying about five years ago, or, you know, when I was more in the loop of the culture, is like, I'm just trying to follow my heart. It's like, <laughs> your heart's wicked, right? That's not, that's not a thing that's honoring to God. Now, I think we have to understand the root of sin because, again, it'll take us to, to the solution. Um, as we look to, as we, as we take the place of God, so we're made to honor God with our lives, to praise him and really to bless people. That's how God made us, upright, to know him and to love others. That, that's the opposite of sins, submitting to him and his design. What happens when we take the place of God, uh, verse 6 happens. It says, you destroy those who speak lies. The Lord arbors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. It's interesting. The, fir- the, the root of sin is pride. We take the place of God. What's some of the output that you'll see is you, you, you and I are liars. Now, how? so I think like, as you look at the bloodthirsty, uh, they won't stand. I mean, it talks later about destruction. Most of us don't think lying's a big deal. But th- this is the category of evil that he's talking about. We take the place of God, and we don't honor God with our mouths. If we don't honor God with our mouths, we know that everything proceeds from our mouth. What comes what? From our heart. So it's simply not telling the truth. This is the wickedness that he's talking about, skirting the truth, not telling the full truth, gossiping, slander, just manipulating circumstances, and it tells us why we do it. Why? It says deceit. This is the heart of man. The heart of man is to take the place of God, use our words to twist things. Why? Deceit to make much of ourselves. See, we're made to bless other people with our words, to, to, to love other people, but in deceitfulness, we, we try to to manipulate people. Have you ever thought about why you say what you say? I mean, really, to people that you talk to all the time. Is it to honor God and to bless them or is it to, to, to deceive them in some way, to put them more on your side in, in, in some way? It says, uh, furthermore, about this in verse nine, for there is no truth in their mouth. This comes from Romans three. There's no truth in their mouth. Their innermost is self-destruction. There's a way that seems right to man that leads to death. This is our, this is our nature. We're like, well, it doesn't seem bad. Uh, their throat is an open grave. Listen, they flatter. This is what we do with our mouths. We flatter. So flatter is we excessively praise, especially for selfishness, for our own self-interest. How often do you open your mouth to glorify yourself for your own self-interest? I mean, I, so in, in verse 10, the nature of man, taking the place of God, being deceitful, looking to our own self-interest. Listen to verse 10. Make them bear the guilt, O God. This is, this is right and good. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Basically, he's like, man, give them over to what they desire. Um, God rejects all. Hear me. God rejects all who re- reject him. If you, if you find your place in a rejection, 
It's because you have rejected God. Now, what's so interesting, I think as we talk about the wickedness of men, the sinfulness of men, the boastful men, a lot of us are like, I'm glad I'm not that guy. I, I just want to, I'm concerned. As I read this, David's speaking from a righteous position, but I, I don't, I can just, I can tell you, I find my heart and I can find my mouth deceptive. I find myself not on the righteousness of God, but more times uh, on the wickedness of God. And, and, and it's just, I want to confess that because that's sinful. I, I think so many times we see ourselves as the good guy in the story. Like, we're, we're David, and, and I'm just nervous, like, as I just read that. Do you take the place of God? Do you do what you want? Do you open your mouth in the lies? Why do you say the things that you say? Now, what's interesting here, David is being gossiped about. He's been slandered. Injustice has happened to him. And the knee-jerk reaction is like, man, if they do that, well, I'm going to do this, right? If, if someone causes me injustice, what do we do? We don't wait for the Lord. Usually it's like, well, I'm going to get them. That's not what he does. Why? Because in Romans 12, verse 9, it says this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So when someone sins against you and there is injustice, our, our thought is, well, I can get them. That's not the way of the Lord. You're putting I at the center again, which is just as sinful as a person who sinned against you. But what does he do when he's being sinned against, when he's suffering injustice? Let's look at verse 7 together. It says this, But I, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will, uh, will enter your house. I will bow down to your holy temple in the fear of you. He's saying, this is where I take, this is where I take myself. This is, how, this is how we don't respond in vengeance. He's saying, I'm going to take myself under the steadfast love of the Lord. He's taking himself, hear me, to the covenant love of God. He's not saying I'm righteous on my own. He's not saying I'm doing really well on my own. He's saying I am righteous only, only because of what? The steadfast love of the Lord. He's not doing a compare and contrast like good news is I'm righteous and they're sinners. He says, no, the good news is that I am found in the steadfast love of the Lord. And this is how I enter the holy temple. It's by his grace that we can, that we can uh, find, find righteousness. It says in Psalm 130, verse 4, which is one of my favorite verses uh, in the Psalms, is, but, with you there is forgiveness of, uh, uh, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. When you understand that you, you are that sinful man, that David is that sinful man, the steadfast love of the Lord, the covenant love of the Lord is not dependent on you. It will take your breath away. Would you understand that he'll blot out your sin by his son, that he has been gracious to you. You know what happens? Fear starts to overwhelm your heart. See, the opposite of sin is submission. And when you see how much God has loved you and sacrificed for you, you know what happens? You'll start to fear him. You'll start to revere him. You'll start to honor him. You'll start to love him. He says, this is, he says, this is who I am apart from, from God and his steadfast love, but I have come under the Lord. Now, he doesn't take vengeance in his own, own hands. Actually, if you know the story, his, uh, his, his son Absalom dies, and he weeps. His, he weeps for his enemies. Why? Because the invitation that he gets into is like, but I've received grace. Verse 11, it says this, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. She said, I've experienced the grace of God. And his hope is what? He wants you to experience the grace of God, to take refuge in him. We're talking about that, what that means more in a second. He wants you to take refuge in, in, in the Lord. But when you do, when you experience the refuge of the Lord, it says that, that you will rejoice and ever sing for joy of song. It's amazing 
if you really experience the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God, that as we were just saying, his mercy is more. You should be overwhelmed how God could love you. Like when is the last time that your heart rejoiced that God loved you a sinner? That is astonishing. Uh, no, no lie, I was drive, driving here this morning. And I was, I'm still on Pandora because I'm old. And, uh, and Shannon Shane's my radio. And no lie, his mercy, his more came on. And, and I'm not trying to boast myself. I just started bawling. Like how, how can God be merciful to me? Because I just told you, I'm, dece- I'm a deceiver. I'm a gossiper. I make much of myself. And God said, I still love you. I'm like, how could that be? Because of steadfast love of the Lord. And I'm telling you, it just, it will overwhelm you if you really see who you are. But God says, I'm still all in. Now, what's interesting, how do we take refuge in God? Because I don't want it to be vague. It's super clear. It actually says this uh, at the very end. It says, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. Listen, that those who love your name may exult in you. It's your name. See, the good news about Christianity is my name means nothing. Can you say that? I mean, my reputation stinks. It it really does. And so does yours. And that's not the good news. The good news is God in his grace has put his name on me. God looks at me and sees Christ. It's his reputation. It's his righteousness. And when I come and take refuge in him, man, there is peace. Why? Because he is, he, is, he, is he is my God and he's my king. And he will only do good to me. It says this in John 1, 12. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed what? In his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is where, where David's going here. It's like, I, I don't understand what's going on, but I know who I am. I know what I am in his name. It's not my reputation. It's God's reputation put on me. I'm a child of God. And this is what it goes into in verse 12. It says, for you bless the righteousness. This is how we walk in the righteousness. Leave me in your, your righteousness. This is, for you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor uh, as with a shield. Righteousness. As you put your faith in Christ, you confess that Jesus is Lord. You believe in his name. You know what happens? The reputation, the righteousness of God is put on you. And, and Ephesians talks about it's the breastplate of your righteousness. It will guard your heart. It will guard your heart. Now, why? Because what we need to know more than anything, we don't need our circumstances to change. We need to know that, that the righteousness of God has been put on us, and we, we, are, we, are, we are forgiven and favored. So it guards our heart in two ways. One, if you understand the righteousness of Christ, you know that you are forgiven and a beloved child of God. You, that, will, that will change your life. I mean, every time I look at my son, it happened yesterday and my daughter, I sit next to Deacon, and I'm just looking at him, and I said, you know, you know your dad loves you? You know it? And he goes, Dad, I know it. Are you sure? I'm sure. You, you can see in his eyes how that ministers to him. This is what God says to you. Every time he looks at you, he looks at the rest of you, he says, do you know I love you? You know I don't see your sin? I see my child. When you believe that, you melt. You melt in the Father's presence. Secondly, if you believe that, Surely goodness will, will follow you all the days of your life. Why? Because the righteousness of Christ is on you. You are favored. Listen, you don't have to earn the favor of God. It's put on you. 
I'm gonna say it again, you don't have to earn the blessing of God. It's been earned for you in Christ. You walk in his righteousness and you have that on you. So as David is feeling overwhelmed by circumstances, he's suffering, he knows that God's favor is upon him. And listen, his favor is a fatherly protection. God is guarding his life. He is pro- he's protecting him. He loves him. If you have a kid, you know that, that you do anything in the world for them. This is the love of the Father on you, saying, I am, I'm governing your life with all favor, whether you know it or not. This is given to us in the righteousness of Christ, in his name. This is why, as we come to him, we can pray in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, say amen. In Jesus' name, I know I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, I know I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name, I know I'm favored. And what happens, man, that changes your mindset. No matter what's going on in your life, is if that's true, Man, I can walk with my head held high. I can walk with identity secure. And I know that God, not, it's not if, he will, he will bless me. He will bless me. Let's pray. God, I pray that we could be like David. I pray that we can respond and just see your grace that's given to us in your name. That we'd see that as we're made righteous, that means we are fully forgiven. That we are loved. As we question, how, how, how do you love us? We can look to Christ and say, his name. It's what he has done. And we just worship in spirit and truth that we rejoice. That we walk in righteousness and the favor that you provided. That you are guarding our life. You're protecting our lives. There's nothing out of your control right now. You are our God and our king. And we can trust you and submit. God, we don't know, but you do. And you will. You will glorify your name. So we can trust that. I said in Jesus' powerful name, amen.